You're listening to the Bladeology podcast with Gavin and Grant Hawk, Idaho City, Idaho. All right. We're going to jump into this like we do every week. Welcome to another episode of the Bladeology podcast. We are on this week with our original host lineup. This is the vocal representation of Jeremiah Burbank from PVK Vegas. Nick Chuprin of NCC Knives. Hamish Malay, Bison Bladeworks. And who do we have on with us this week as our awesome guest? Cliff Wilson. Nice. Cliff, where do you work? Uh, I work at PVK in uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> awesome. Ooh. Okay. All right. Um, so... This episode was going to be the one where we're all headed to Blade Show, and Cliff, I wanted to have you on to talk about uh, knife collecting specifically. Um, I've worked with you in the shop. Um, we're all familiar with you. You have a pretty famous knife collection. We all are privileged to seeing on Instagram. I know that that is not the entirety of your collection. I know that it spans many styles and it spans many decades and that's that's where we're really that's what we're here to talk about today I, I i'm hoping to pick your brain about uh trends of the industry um styles and sort of things you've seen uh come and go so tell us um how did you get into this when when did you start collecting knives um i've been collecting most of my life uh, I'm i'm 50 now and I was raised by my grandparents and my grandfather was a retired police officer and we were on a farm and when I was, you know, when I was five, six, seven, we, we would be out shooting and, you know, and he would, you know, he would uh, give me little pocket knives, you know, old school, old timers and Shrey and all those when the companies were, you know, actually really good. Um, buck and, and all that and you know he was just giving me these little pocket knives when I was you know when I was that young and uh, as I got older I uh, I you know I my you know I was fascinated I was still fascinated with the knives and everything and even that age I had a couple of cousins around the same age we'd be stealing the uh, the uh, the the garden set on my grandmother's uh, garden and we'd be sharpening out the sides into swords and just having our you know sword battles and such and oh, man. as I got older my uh, I ended up going back to my parents and we ended up living in New Jersey and we were uh, just outside of Atlantic City so the you know while going to you know while I was in high school and all that and Atlantic City at the time was there a lot of conventions were coming into town and I get to go to a lot of collectibles conventions and pick up some knives here and there as well and some of those knives that I picked up when I was 13 14 15 I still have now I remember you know I, I you know you know, it, it, it hits me about every two or three weeks that I've got a couple of just really turn, old turn-of-the-century slip joints um, downstairs in a box that I picked up when I was at a collectible show when I was, you know, that age, 15, 16, 17. And during that same time, because I did love knives so much, um, my dad helped me get a, a, a catalog to a knife company. Back then there was a knife distributor called Catoctin Cutlery 
and so he helped me get the catalog and I just started selling knives to people to help me get money so I could get buy more knives myself nice and and you know I did that for a few years you know and then we ended up moving back to Vegas and I mean it was great here in Vegas you had the soldier of fortune convention you had knife shows uh, you know there was so much going on and you know a lot of the gun shows would have little knife shows uh, connected to them and then you know again with soldier of fortune so many knife makers and and uh, companies were there you know cold steel was always great you know with their table full of seconds even back in the you know, you know, late '80s, early '90s. So you you could pull out a lot of really, you know, really cool stuff out of out of the uh, uh, Soldier Fortune and you know just the various shows. When I uh, when I went into the army, uh, my first duty station was Fort Bragg, and that was a that was a whole new experience because uh, I I really got to see more there. Uh, in Fayetteville at the Fayetteville gun show you know knife makers I you know I bought a I was able to buy a, an auto knife off of uh, Walter Bren's table at the time I really didn't know who he was uh, he was a nice old man you know saw I was a young soldier you know and gave me a little bit of a deal on a knife you know and, uh, and uh, you know I've still got that knife to today uh, today uh, I was buying knives off of uh, Les Robertson's table. Again, didn't even know who he was. He just had some really cool knives. Um, I picked up a, uh, a Peter Bauschup uh, fixed blade uh, knife, and Peter Bauschup is a, a South African knife maker. And I picked up one of his, uh, I believe it's the model's called a Witch. And uh, I, uh, I actually carried that for well over 10 years uh, on my LBE in the army and everybody was just really surprised that I was carrying it and I'm like and I was like at the time I was like why not (laughs) that uh, is that's the point after all (laughs) yeah and uh you know you know it just so many you know Bussy Jerry Bussy from Bussy Knives you know you know he would always be the show just so many guys so many knife makers would be at the shows and it was it was great because I was just always picking up something here or there and you know, every time we get ready for a deployment, all, all the guys would line up at my door bugging me to borrow knives so we could have, you know, so they could have something extra with them. And then uh, once we got back or once the, the alerts were called off, then everybody just, you know, bring everything back to me. Uh, and uh, then, you know, you know, I did, did a couple of permanent uh, duty station changes in, in uh yeah, well, in the army, one of them was Germany, which was again really nice because the the Renaissance fairs and that they actually had, you know, uh, foragers making serviceable uh, knives, swords, hmm. war hammers, you name it. Again, that was great. And uh, you know, once I got out of the army, I got into the firearms industry, and you know, same thing. It's you know, a lot of the companies, you know, just kept on, you know, picking up knives here and there. A lot of the companies that I had been uh, purchasing when I was a teenager were still around under different names. Um, you know, I was buying knives right and left from uh, Bally Song when I was, uh, you know, 17, 18. And 
you know, I bought a couple while I was in the Army and you know, really hadn't paid too much attention. You know, I didn't realize that Belly Song had changed their name to Benchmate at that point. Oh, didn't really realize it until, until later on because, uh, you know, one of the knives I still have new in the box downstairs, it's, you know, is that... Uh, that uh, was a Delta Raider that they they were making and was really popular back in the uh, late 80s. Um, but yeah, I just kept on picking up that. Eventually, you know, at that point I had a few custom knives. Um, but, you know, in the early 2000s, I really started getting more into the customs and just kind of kept building them up from there. Uh, you know, I, I was actually friends with a... Uh, a, a knife dealer in New York who's uh, no longer with us but he was a really great guy and he uh, he uh, you know he you know he kind of helped me out you know pointing out different directions and different makers and that and hmm. and uh, then I uh, you know I kind of met a few other uh, dealers and then I started making meeting some makers too and you know just over the years I've just you know been very fortunate to pick up you know knives from you know, so many different makers. I think um, there was a, um, you know, so many Alishowitz uh, uh, and and David Mosier and and a lot of those guys. They were they were they were my first real jump ins. Um, besides a few of the others that I already had, hmm. and it's just kind of grown from there. Wow. So I mean, really, oh. like that's you, you were you were starting with production moving into custom but i mean when you were buying knives from walter brand on base i mean those were customs mid-techs i don't know that wasn't even a thing then that was just yeah yeah that really was there was no such thing as mid-tech then that mid-tech didn't really pop up until i want to say your late 2000s hmm. i've always been told that it was a uh, ken that uh, kind of coined the term or whatever i don't know if that's true but yeah. Oh, the mid tech term. Yeah, like the whole uh, whenever, industry when, thing uh, of the mid tech. Mm. Whenever I hear mid tech, all I always think about is the Matt Cuchera. Hmm. Yeah, he, yeah, for sure. That's like the first mid tech I knew about. Yeah, that's, that's pretty far out. It's like also custom. Yeah, because like, uh, you could afford it. Like, hmm. yeah, because the uh, the ones that, that Walter was selling then weren't they? Wasn't it? Um, is it White Wolf who was making? Was working with them to make the parts? I think so. So it would have been uh, Lone Wolf. No, actually, sorry. No, Lone. It would have been. It would have been hmm. Lone Wolf and Lone. White Wolf were very similar and timed. But I think Lone Wolf might have been. Uh, no, White Wolf was first, and then Lone Wolf because Lone mm-hmm. Wolf would eventually become the brand that Benchmade would buy yeah. and co-opt. Yeah. Yep. So White Wolf was first, oh, yeah. and then Lone Wolf. Yeah, because I think because mm-hmm. I see because I see I've seen a few of the White Wolves, and we actually have one in the shop, and the one I have is not quite the same, but it is similar. Um, but and the only reason I knew knew who it was that I even bought it from was my. Uh, you know, that was a Saturday. I was at the show, and that next Monday, I called down to my sergeant major office, and I was like, "Oh crap, what do I do now?" <laughs> I think I'm good. And uh, so I went down there, report to my sergeant major. You know, he put me at ease, and so he's like, uh, well, "I think I was a PFC at the time." He's like, "So, uh, 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 I saw you got something from Walt. What'd you get?" I was like, "Huh?" Hmm? He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you got something from Walt. What'd you get?" 
Walt. Who's Walt? And he looked at me and said, Walter Brand. You know, then you were at his table there at the show. I was like, and I didn't realize my sergeant major was at the show too. And uh. I found out later my sergeant major was a huge collector, hmm. and he had knives from all of the all of the makers from then. Hmm. And uh, you know, he was he was an interesting individual, and he was actually really good friends with Walter. And I didn't know it until I ran upstairs, grabbed it, and it brought it down, and was kind of sweating a little bit because we weren't supposed to have automatic knives in the barracks at the time, and and. Uh, I was trying to cover myself. Yeah, yeah, I bought. You know, I just bought it, and you know, I was going to send it home to my parents and such. And he was, he was checking it out, and playing with it. Yeah, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Walt's a great guy, and you know, he makes really fantastic knives. Uh, I got a ton of them, and he's just rambling on and just you know, BS and knives for a good 30, 45 minutes before he was like, "Well, I need you need to get back to your platoon." <laughs> and so you know, I ran it upstairs, and then a couple of days later, I shipped it home to my parents just to be on the safe side uh, on that particular one. Uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I didn't even realize it until a little bit later with, with him. So it was, a it was definitely interesting. So now that's, that's, that's a, that's a good point. So at that point you were not allowed to have autos, even as a service member. Correct. Back, yeah. Back in the nineties, we, you know, we weren't allowed to have autos, um, you know, especially living in the barracks. If you're living off post or if you're in your own private quarters, you could have whatever you wanted. But in the barracks, oh, okay. there there were things you couldn't have. Uh, automatic knives, you couldn't have swords. I had a I had a katana disassembled and stashed around, you know, at various places in my barracks room <laughs> for a year, year and a half. And uh, nobody, you know, because of the way I had it disassembled and stashed, no, even with health and welfare, they never found it. But uh, you could have regular knives, regular pocket knives, all that other good stuff. And at the time, like the Gerber Gators were extremely popular. Oh yeah. Um, you know the Mark. I, I want to say the Mark Ones because hatchet. Yeah, the Gerber Mark Ones really popular. Hmm. Um. Oh, the 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 Vietnam dagger. I've seen them. Or no, that's yeah, the Mark II. Well, yeah, you had the Mark, yeah, because mm-hmm. that was more of a transition, because I don't think the Mark IIs were being made yet. They were a little bit okay. farther in. All right. Uh, I had a lot of friends who were buying them. Hmm. I didn't like them, because every time you held one up and looked at it, the blade was kind of cockeyed one way or the other, hmm. so I wasn't really a big fan of it. Uh, hmm. But I, they had another one where... Uh, it was a, it was a double edged and it was in a it was in a, a, a kydex sheath but it had a button so when you put it in it would lock it in the button and because I was in an airborne unit a lot of the guys uh, like that because whenever when guys were jumping they would lose knives right and left Oof. you know every every time that, uh, there was an airborne operation Oof. after the after the uh, after it was all said and done <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Um, after it was all said and done, to lock it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that this particular Gerber had the button. So you, when you draw the knife out of the sheath, you press the button, and then you know it would come out. And um, yeah, because every time there was an airborne operation, guys would lose stuff right and left. So, it, after everybody's kind of assembled, made sure we had all the 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 uh, sensitive equipment and everything, and moved out or headed back to the main area post you'd see people driving up and pulling up and pulling metal detectors out of their cars <laughs> and start heading over to, for the drop zone just seeing what they could find oh, hmm. that's great so yeah, i'm here like, thinking about like how many people have been impaled by knives pulling out of the sky oh, all sorts of things 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. Guys would be sitting there. And they get they get they they get nailed by a Kevlar helmet that that had been pulled off somebody's head. Um, <laughs> you know, it, when, when they're uh, when <laughs> they're shoot deployed. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, it was just you would you would have to watch out for. You don't far, think about uh, that kind of stuff. For falling objects, yeah. It's I uh, through the majority of my time in the army, I had an old uh, A.G. Russell uh, one-handed knife that I always carried, and I I uh, I had that. I actually had a piece of paracord, so I had it dummy corded to my pocket, and it was just enough length that if I needed it quick, I could use it quick. But otherwise, I could take it off. And you know, I love that knife, and I never, I didn't want to lose it. So, but I wanted it on me, and I wanted to carry it. So, you know, yeah, for I got the same same paracord's been on that knife, you know, because I still have it now. Uh, same paracord's been on that knife since '91. So an an A. G. Russell one-handed opener, uh, is that the trifold one or is that the the like the pass-through frame one? How would you um, how would you a, describe that? Uh, it, it it uses uh the lock that it, it's kind of skeletonized in the back and it's got the locking system on the back and you pull you pull back on the locking system to close it. It was a uh, it was the design was originally by. Let's say Crawford. Um, I know there's a couple of Crawfords, but, Pat but Crawford? I think it's Pat Crawford. Mm-hmm. Um, he did he, he did a design, and a, he he licensed A. G. Russell to use it. And I mean, even today, uh, they still make A. G. Russell still makes that one-handed knife. It's just it's on its fourth, fifth, or sixth generation. I mean, I've had that knife since I was. 17 18 years old oh wow um and uh wow. you know it's i've even put pictures up on instagram of it next to basically the newer generation version of it um you know and you so you've got a you know a 30 year 30 plus year difference between the two of them but you know it's a, uh, it's uh you know it's still around crawford still uses it ag russell ag russell still uses it and there's a few other knife makers out there that have taken and changed it up a little bit for their knives to uh, and call it and given it their own name. But if you look at it and if you know the history of it, you know kind of where it came from. Hmm. Um, Demco had that what that eighty fifteen or whatever it is. That's a variation off of it. He calls it his own. Mm-hmm. You know his own locking system, or whatever. But if you look at it, yeah, he adds a secondary stop into it. Hmm, what's that? He adds like a secondary mm-hmm. stop into it. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. But he just, just came out with a new uh, patent, I guess. He was just awarded a new patent or something. For new, yeah, for new I saw lock. something about that the new knife not too long, uh, a mm-hmm. few days ago. So it actually looks a little it more seems interesting like it's than like some a of his other version. It looks like a cleaner version of what Snex was doing, with that like bolt thing that like goes forward. Oh yeah, is that the one he posted like today or something or yesterday? Yeah, it looks like the same mech, but like Demco's is way cleaner. That's a weird. I saw him post that. That's a weird kind of thing. Um, all right, so let's see. The Snex one looks like crap. I'm just gonna say. Okay. <laughs> so okay, so that brings us to. Uh, <laughs> So we're, we're we're up until sort of give or take the two thousands. Um, so your your cliff your 
you're moving from production stuff and you're moving into into custom stuff and you mentioned uh Elishwitz and um Mosier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I was really I uh, I really liked Elishwitz's work and I was a huge fan of David Mosier. Uh I was picking up anything and everything I could of uh uh of Mosier's um and I, I was using a, a Lawrence. That's the one I, a dealer I was talking about earlier in New York. He had a Three Little Indians. Oh yeah, of course. King Queens. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, he had his knife shop and a cigar shop kind of together in one. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, familiar. I, yeah, he and I, he and I got along. I, I he, he and I got along great, and you know we just spent hours just BS and knives and different things, and even when he was sick, we were still. You know, he'd be cursing out a nurse at one in one moment, and the next moment we'd just right back to BS and knives. Hmm. Um, but between him and then Dave Stark over at uh, Steel Addiction, um, I was I was picking up Mosers. You know, uh, you know, I picked up a lot of Mosers over the years. Um, between them and you know, and then just from there, I always like his know, stuff. Yeah, no, he's a great maker, and and he's you know he's progressed quite a bit over the years um but yeah just i you know just picked up a lot of stuff over you know over the years and they they were the, they were the ones because I, I i've been my i started out mainly even though i've had a lot of knives and i've got a lot of knives i think my first 11 knives is really fixed blades uh, and then from there just by by necessity folders were more you know, I got I kind of I went in, down the folder line. Um, I've got so many knives just put away, just put away in storage here uh, from the you know from the 80s and 90s that were all all original uh, uh, Benchmade Belly Song uh, or Gerber Cold Steel, all fixed blades, and you know it it it, kinda, it carried over definitely in the army just because you know whether it be on the belt or uh, uh, or on my LBE, and about the only the, you know the only folders that I carried while I was in the army was my AG Russell, and and then I'd also picked up I I I put the the Brandon collection, and at the same series of shows I picked up a Rob Dalton uh, uh, auto that I was actually carrying under my duty gear because I was an MP, and. They, uh, we weren't given a lot of ammo and weren't given a lot of things that we needed. And so anything, any extra, anything extra we could have on us was just, was just a plus. Hmm. Because every once in a while things would kind of go south for us. And, uh, so yeah, the, yeah, for, for many years, the only, uh, the only folders I carried were, were just the, uh, uh, the AG Russell and the Dalton. And then where were you stationed there this time? I, I was uh, for a brag. I was a brag from ninety one to ninety six. Oh, okay. And hmm. then I went to Germany. Uh, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Well, at ninety seven, ninety eight, uh, in Germany. Then I came back here to the states. Uh, ninety nine through two thousand and one, I was down in Texas, and then from two thousand one to two thousand and four. Uh, I was actually here in Vegas, assigned to a unit here, 
and I was I had a really bad back injury, so that kind of was just that was it for me for my uh, military career. Now, as you were moving the station to different places, especially Germany, did your knife collecting change a bit? Because as you were saying, you were going to local shows and stuff like that, and selling, selling your Germany. That's, I don't know where in Germany you were stationed, but still in Germany, there's a different type of knife style that was very popular over there. Uh, I, I was mainly sticking with, uh, with a fixed blade still hmm. then. Uh, we, you know, there was a little shop on, on one of our concerns that... You could, we could pick up some pretty cool swords and some nice you know, knives and I, w- I was still, my focus was still more uh, fixed blades especially after uh, after I'd met Jerry Bussey uh, when I was at Bragg and just the way way he, some of his, his, his fixed blades were just bulletproof and I was just like wow and I just kind of I kept progressing with that um so while in Germany, I was, I was still in the fixed blades, and you know, cause between that and then the Renaissance fairs, because again, Europe, I mean, they've got Renaissance fairs all the time, everywhere, especially in Germany. And so it was, you know, daggers, short swords, you know, the works on that. And coming back here in Texas, still hitting shows, and that I was still, still the fixed blades. I mean, I was picking up folders here and there, but my main focus was was the fixies. And I really didn't jump into the the folders as much until probably two thousand and three, two thousand and four, and that's when I started focusing more on folders. Uh, you know, I was carrying a few different ones and rotating them, and you know, just enjoying what I had. And a lot, you know, they were the. You know, they were they were the, the standard. You know, they were your your spider codes. I broke so many spider codes. It's <laughs> between spider codes and Swiss Army, I broke so many of them. I what's I like the f- main fail point on a on a spider code? Uh, spider code and Duras were extremely popular. The, the, you could buy them at the uh, PX, but it's mm. like it's like I guarantee you break the tip. But the steel soft enough that you just use a stone and get and put a new tip on it from there, and then, you know, you know, you, you know, then from there you you got a little bit of more strength in it. Um, but they were softer steel back well, then. Well, at that time you were probably were just buying uh, the clippets, so you got the plastic clip on the frame. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, those are done. Yeah, those are probably snapping and, off at that time too. Because I'm holding now is a is a clip in there too. And look at these clips. I'm like, pretty amazing. Seems nice for manufacturing. It will hmm. do that. Like, yeah, make it mainstream to put clips on knives. <laughs> it's weird to think about. Yeah, well, that, that's that one of the reasons there. why my AG Russell was basically dummy corded to me. Right. Was because there, you know, mm-hmm. there was no things. There was nothing like that back then. No attachment. Yeah. And, you know, at one point I pulled up because I picked up uh, again same time frame back in the uh, early '90s. Uh, I picked up one of those Gerber Parabellums, and I was, that was a pretty solid knife. And I, I was carrying that on my belt for the longest time because I just really wasn't a fan of the Gerber Gator, but I really liked the Parabellum, so I was carrying that for many years. I've still got it around here in a drawer somewhere, just kind of beat up. Medallions are kind of missing, but still works. So still, it's a good knife. So, again, Gerber was a lot better back then, <laughs> so. Yeah, that was a different different yeah. era of Gerber. Yeah. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah, I, mean, I, they're, they're I probably, feel like they're stepping up their game again, though. 
Yeah. Yeah, for the longest you know, time. Maybe. Sorry. No, I was gonna say for the longest time. Yeah, I, I, you know, when when I started, you know, I stopped looking, and when I started looking at them again, just they just didn't seem like what they were before. So I, I just kind of just completely ignored them for many years. I'm just focusing on others, you know. I still like the Cold Steels when, you know, I was really uh, enamored when Cold Steel came out with that, that uh, Recon folder uh, that had their uh, version Recon of an Axis style Re- The lock. Recon series. Yep, yep. The, yeah, the original ones made out of Japan. One I love those ones. I was really disappointed when they moved it to Taiwan. He got all teary-eyed. Yeah. Oh, I, 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 I was running. I was running around everywhere I could trying to find some of the Japanese ones, uh, when, when, when that happened, and that, that was a factor in me. But, you know, I. Uh, I about the, the Gerber. The Gerber. What's that? Sarah thing was Oh, I was seeing those, um, those Japanese cold steels online, and I never knew about them. I was like, wait a second, they used to make those in Japan, and they'd be on on eBay or whatever for sale. Three fifty, four hundred dollars. I'm like, what in the hell? Are you crazy? Yep. Four hundred dollars for a cold steel? And knowing what yep. I know now, it's like it's worth it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I've I've still got one of them sitting around here, and I had bought one of the Taiwan ones because I wanted to compare them. And uh, actually, my, I think my daughter has that. I gave it to you know, I carried it around for a while, but then I'm giving it to my daughter, and she has that one. So I don't think I've uh, ever even held a uh, Japanese-made cold steel. Uh, I used to have a few cold steels because not in fancy. When I first started collecting, uh, almost ten years ago, not in fancy used to really wrap the recons, and so I had a few of those. You, I had the you if if you, if you collected any of those knives, you had to buy the ah crap. I forgot what it's called. The, the really the, the bigger series where it's like the oh, seven-inch blades and stuff like that. Oh, the Voyagers. Um, well, there's the Voyager. Well, yeah, the Voyager series, but there was yeah. another version that about the series Espada? a little bit bigger. The Espada, yeah, yeah, the Espada. <laughs> I used to like daily digest. Uh, uh, what was it? Full, hundred uh, percent proof or whatever. The videos I would watch those like back to back all the time. <laughs> yeah, but what I was saying about Gerber, um, yeah, Gerber has been since this point for the last few years. But when me and Elijah were at Shot Show last year, we made it to the Gerber booth. And they were making a big deal uh, how they re- revolutionized their knives. Oh, yeah, and all they did was add bearings. Thing? Yeah, the fastball thing. I was like, they just added pitch yeah. bearings. And like we padded through this new system. But the knives are good. They were G10. They were machine. They were, they were a step up. And yeah. they were pretty good. Obviously, they were overpriced for what they are compared to things that are out these days. Their the quality like was pretty good. CRKT. Yeah. yeah, they were pretty good. Like I said, compared to what's out these days, it's a little overpriced. But for what their category of marketing was, it needed that they needed to do it. But like they're pushing really hard with giant banners about their new fastball patented system. And I'm like, this is literally just the same cage bearings that I buy um, for my knives, and everyone else does. It's like not. It's not like they remade them. Yeah, so they, they literally bought them from the same wholesaler. You have to. You have to mm-hmm. recognize that the marketing that that appeals to is not the marketing in a in a trade show. And a trade show, it's going to blend in. Like obviously, they're just cage bearings. But that marketing on like Walmart or a big box store, you know, people who are unfamiliar with that are going to look at that and go, "Oh man, like this is badass." Like okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. For, the, for their box. for their marketing, like that's what they kind of needed because yeah. as they weren't catching up with the times, whatever everyone else is doing. But like at Shot Show, that banner for the, the that new yeah, fastball system was cool. Like, it was a pricey like a, banner and a pricey table that they set up for it. It's like on the box, the kind of knife is like uh, it says like has ball bearing pivot. 
or something, you know. Like revolutionary, fa- revolutionary fastball mechanism. Yeah, most people can see that. It's probably their first time, like, knowing that, that that kind of thing is used in a knife. Yeah, they were like, wait, what? Like, ball bearings? Like, huh? Yeah, your Walmart customers. Um, like on the spinner thingies? Yeah, on the spinners. Which is cool that, I, that that's actually distilled down now into, like, you can buy that at a Walmart, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. It's like taking over. It's like an industry standard now. Bearings. Well that that kind of that brings around to a, a question, Cliff, that I had for you, which like the evolution of and it might be getting a little off topic d- depending on where you are in your timeline, but the evolution of like purchasing knives from a catalog, like for it's insane that AG Russell still produces a catalog. I love it, but it's crazy that they do and they have been this whole time, but the progression of purchasing knives through a catalog, over the phone, um, and then like the transition to like internet sales, and then eventually like social media. We don't have to do that all in one, but I mean, just in the early two thousands, um, like the three lit Indians. I don't. Did he have a website? Yes, he did. He did. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I mean, like, eh, I don't know. Can, can we just kind of brief over the 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 transition there from catalog to internet like what was that what was that sort of like um i don't know it, it, it made things easier i uh, i guess for me it did anyway because hmm. i still i was still getting catalogs at the same time so i was i was looking at everything and i don't know just the internet looking at it now Obviously, things are so much easier now, but it made it easier. You just had to spend. You you would take more time hunting around because, you know, when everybody went from catalog to internet, and the internet was just coming up, and so you have all your pages, and you'd have to go through page after page after page on the internet. It was literally like looking at a catalog online because you have to, especially when you're looking for something specific. You know, so so you know back then when I was looking at a, looking for an Alishwitz or a Greg Lightfoot or or a Mosier, one of those guys, um, I would have to really hunt through pages. You know, the different uh, different pages on the different websites to find uh, the knives I was looking for. And then, again, the picture, again, because the quality and everything, still spent a lot of time on the phone talking to talking to the, to, to the uh, companies or dealers with questions. Mm. But it, I mean, I don't know, for me, it, it, it would take a little bit more time than, than the catalogs, because I just see it there, I go, oh, okay, cool, that one there. And I'd call up and place the order, but online, then it's kind of it bring it was bringing out a little few more questions for me, and that's how I got to know a lot of those guys um, pretty well back then. That's interesting. That like so in a catalog, you have maybe the front and a flip, or maybe just the the front. I don't even know if they would. I mean, I guess if, you don't have to show the lock side of a fixed blade, but there would be less pictures in a catalog. And it would be easier to purchase, but online there's more pictures, and I, I feel like I see that sometimes just with our customers. Like the more pictures there are, the more questions people have. They're like, wait, like they feel like they're missing something, or like something's being hidden if they're if it's not just like blatantly right there. Um, yeah, I mean that, and with the advent of 
I mean, for me, I, you know, I've been around knives for so long that I had a I had a really good understanding of them. Um, it's just at the time the pictures being uploaded weren't the best, hmm. and so questions would pop up. Okay. And and, and that 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 was for me why I, I would be calling. Uh, nowadays, you get that because you have so many new collectors who don't know. Uh, they don't know the histories of either how the companies came from your carbon steels to your stainless steels or how the companies came from or makers came from these designs to these designs. Um, there's, you know, just the advent of, of social media over the last or what? Well, within the last 10 years. Right. Um, but social media really pushing more the last six or seven. Uh, it it's brought so many more people into the into the knife collecting world, but it really hasn't helped them in the knowledge area. So they're trying to they're trying to play catch up, and, and well, what about this or what about this? And you know, it's like like with us, we get so commonly, you know, especially especially when when companies jump around with their steels. Right, and we get that a lot, mm-hmm. you know, from L Max to 204P to M390, and then you have suddenly somebody pop up with D2, and you know, you get you get a, a lot of these newer collectors that they, they 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 don't they don't know the history or they don't they don't they don't have the knowledge base in in this what the steels are or 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 how the steels will for lack of a better term for me at the moment how the steels work right I follow Um, you yep I get that completely so so it's like all they know is this and they don't know about 1095 D2 so many great carbon steels W2 A1 A2 I mean you name it um, A2 those are all great, great steels they're carbon based steel yeah and they don't know because all they're seeing now across the board is M390 uh, yeah, like cutting uh, edge know, super steels mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. They're, yep. they're seeing the you know the, the cutting edge super steels and a lot of them are chasing those because you know that's the you know they're the flavor of the month or they're you know they're, they're the, the, the the trend Hmm. Um, but they also don't know the the differences, and that's like one of the things we're that we're getting now. We're, we're getting a lot of M390 and M204P, or excuse me, uh, yeah, yeah, M390 and 204P, yeah. and you know those seem to be two of your more popular ones at the moment. Uh, even and they don't realize the differences between German steel and American steel, or the lack of differences between the two. Um, you know, in, in the same note, you still have companies using 154 C, uh, CM and CPM 154, which are great steels. I happen to be a really big fan of CPM 154. I think for me, to me, it's a really good catch-all steel. Hmm. And it, uh, but 
they you know they you know they're they're it's the kind of looked down upon especially 154 cm it's it's a very good steel but it's it's just looked down upon so much these days because of these newer collectors coming in just on the trend on the new super steels so yeah it's like it seems it seems mundane based upon nothing just the fact Mm -hmm. that it was there before, and there is something else that is now new, so it just must be better. It's and the new hotness. It, yeah, right. It's just this new thing, but right, no, 154 cm is. We'll do like, yeah, it's a great steal. We'll yeah. do all the cutting things that you will ever need to do, and it probably won't punch through a fuselage and a helicopter. It might, but it, that's not what you're ever going to use it for, so it doesn't matter. Like, it's not. Or you can uh, chip a piece of flint and have a sharper edge than you'd ever get on any knife ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Well, and, and and the funny thing is is you know so many of the, the newer collectors and that it, it, they look down on the on the carbon steels a lot. And, uh, as we mentioned with your D twos and your ten ninety fives and a you know, all your A series steels and all that. And again, they're they're all fantastic steels. Um, they have they, you know they kind of have their own little place and niche. And, and and the funny thing is is you have 3V out now which the newer collectors aren't really even paying attention to the fact that it's a carbon steel it's like secret they don't even know and I think it's hilarious it's just like you know and all they all I know is everybody keeps telling them it's strong steel it's a strong it's steel it's good good strong it'll take, good, strong it'll take a beating and keep on going mm-hmm. and you know it's like it's just like the other steels. Yes, your content, your molecular contents and such are are different to allow for this versus that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't realize it, and and so many makers are using it. And I don't know. I, I just I don't really think they're they're even asking because the collectors are just going, yeah, I want that. You know. You know when when they're sitting down w- with the customer. Uh, you know, I know the, I know the, I know the, uh, the, the, uh, the production companies aren't it. They're just making it, putting it on, sending them out. But with some of the custom makers, you know, just because the way the collectors are now, it's they'll sit down with them, and the, and the collectors are going, yeah, yeah, that, I'll take that, I'll take that. And the, and the, the makers like, well, I have these options. What would you like? Would you, you know, would you like what steel? These are the steels that I, that I work with in the ranges. And they're like, oh, no, I'll take that. And some of the makers these days just aren't even. They're like, okay. You know, they're not, they don't explain differences or anything. They're just like, okay, mm-hmm. you got it. You know, and it's just like with handle materials, too, the same thing. Is, you know, from your micartas to your G10s to, you know, right, again, part of the collecting trend nowadays is everybody wants, you know, the the the, the fancier materials, your your ties, your Zircotis, um, your, your Mokumais, you know, all of, all of those versus... Your more your traditional handle styles, uh, you know, really seeing some really nice wood on a scales, is 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 in the very is in the very you know very minority these days. We're seeing some uh, stag on scales these days is 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 in the very minority uh, numbers these days. Dude, I and love stag. Can I just say that? So do I. Stag I is stag great. Too. I love stag. Oh. And I love. I appreciate the fact that GTC uses it. Because he's such a cowboy. Yeah, he's but right. he's also like a space cowboy. So he's like, fuck, I'm gonna put some stag. I'm gonna put some stag. I'm gonna put some stag on this. Fuck it. Like stag is legitimately like I have, 
I have two smaller <coughs> blackjacks that actually have A2. And it's like the old blackjack that were made in the U.S. and they have stag handle. Like, it's legitimately, mm-hmm. those are very comfortable. Like, stag is a blackjack. great handle material because it, like, it makes sense. It has these, like, dips and grooves and, like, high points. And, like, when your palm starts sweating, like, it's actually, like, it's great. Natural grip. Yeah. Like, it's. Yeah. As far I don't as know. steel, though, Not a fan. like, uh, it's, I, I, I like it. It's great. It's very old school, I guess, Nick. <laughs> The stag? Yeah, that's why yeah. Nick don't like it. Well, there are I like that it's not symmetrical. Oh. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I like symmetry. Okay. I was like, no, no, no. Okay, so, so, so Nick's more OCD on, on, how, on how it comes oh, yeah. out. I know Nick's there are a lot OCD. of newer men. Yeah, like, I wish knives didn't have to have clips on them. Which oh. much nicer. <laughs> Well, I know, I know there are newer makers out. They don't like using stag because, you know, once you put it on, you have to start grinding it or start forming it. It stinks. Yeah. And so they don't like that. Or they'll get halfway through and they crack the stag. Yeah. And so, but that's just, I don't know. To, to me, that's that's part of the game. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Or you can't find any flat pieces. Yeah. yeah. So you're like Bob so. Neal and you're like, screw it. I'm just going to make the damn knife curved <laughs> to fit the stag. <laughs> I mean that's that's an adaptation, but no, I mean you're right. It's like that's that's just part of it. Like if if whatever the material is, any complaint is just part of the job. I mean that's just that's just it. Yeah, I've heard it smells pretty awful when you're grinding it. it smells like burning hair or something. Any natural material smells like burnt hair yeah. when you grind it. I think because yeah, exactly. it is burnt hair. It is, it is burnt much. hair. <laughs> it's it's hair really thick hair. Yeah. No, it, 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 it's the same thing like if you're, you grind plastics, they tend to burn. It's the same sim- mm-hmm. kind of smell. Uh, it's essentially, I want to tell people, anytime you, you grind horn, it smells like the dentist's office. Except like if you had like a rotten tooth. Hmm. That's some, something. And, and that's just something that, that, that's just part of the territory. It, it comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a nat- when, when, you're, when you're working with natural materials. So, Cliff, you, we were talking about handle materials. So, what's your over the years? Have you have you bucked the trends? Have you have you flavored the trends? Have you what, where where does it go? Um, well, I'm a collector, so I do like a lot of the different materials. I have I do have knives with uh, Mokutai and and Melkumay, and I'll be one of the first ones to stand up and raise my hand that I am a sucker for Zerk. I love Zerk on handles. Uh, Dark metal. But <laughs> but on that same note, the, the, the handle materials I really prefer uh, are is G10 and Micarta. Mm. Um, hmm. They are the, you know, they're, they're the better, to me, they're some of the better... Uh, just down and dirty materials. If you're if you're if you're gonna get a user knife, uh, all the other materials are great. You know, carbon fiber is great and all that. But to me, micarta and G10 are just a better way to go, especially uh, being micarta. And those are for your down and dirty uh, user knives. Um, you know, Cliff, I'm working on something right now. All elements. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put them on about anything. Just great materials to use for knives. Cliff, I'm working on yeah, uh, something right now, and it's uh, it's gonna have some micarta handles. Yeah, yeah. I wanna yeah my favorite's carbon fiber, but G10 is the most stable material I've ever worked with. More yeah, so no, than tie. No, just, 
Uh, well, we're, we're talking non-metallics here. Uh, a metal <laughs> is a, a metal is a metal at the end. Of coppers, <laughs> coppers say, I mean, titanium, <laughs> titanium. Again, it's a it's a great material, but it's you know, and it's nice for every day. You know, you're carrying a knife in your pocket every day, and you're doing just in general minor tasks. You know, from letters to boxes. You know, to you know minor stuff. But if you're if you're getting into, you know, you're you're using that knife, and you're just you know, beating the hell out of it again, to at least to my thinking, just in looking at knives and watching knives and, you know, playing with knives over the years, you know, w- you know, when you're, you know, when you're getting down there and you're really using it and, and you know, you're having to choke up on it. Um, my card and G10 are just some of the better materials. Again, my, per- my opinion on that one, um, for, for that, it's, you know, you know, if you've got good texturing on your G10, you know, your hands are getting sweaty, they're getting wet, you know, you're in gro- you're wearing gloves, um, you know, they're, you know, the G10's great. And micarta, and it's a little bit of a softer material, but same thing, if, you're, if your hands are, are sweaty, they're getting wet, um, you, you, you name it, it just, it's, it's a material that, that you can still maintain and hold on to. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that the I don't know the the grip factor is huge. Obviously, if if you have gloves on or something, or if you're if you're in the field and you're really you're getting into it, um, mm-hmm. like heat and wetness, really that that's that's the trick. You, you can't lose that. You can't lose that grip. And also, a brand new uh, knife with micarta on it just has a, a good smell to it. I don't know if you're familiar. But I'm not really like smelling a, my new knives, my guy. I mean, you get a, a new SE out of the pack, and it's like it's, it's, the handle has like a smell to it. It's like it's I'm not, ready to go out in the never, woods. Never been my first thought. Oh, let, <laughs> let me smell this new SE I got. It's like let me see if it cuts paper well, or let me see if it nicks my nail. But uh, you know, they, everything they have an odor, and you have an odor smell. You know, <laughs> you're, you're carrying it around until you get sweaty. It like smells weird for a while. So right. I don't know. Sure. Well, well, that that that's probably just from 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 the way that the the my card is made up. Yeah, they, yeah, probably. or something. Because yeah. you 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 have your you know because your, your materials and you know and then your mixture of your materials, uh, mm-hmm. your your fabrics or what you know, papers, fabrics, whatever they use to make the micarta, and then the adhesive bonding material that they mixed in, uh, you know, to keep it you know keep it all together and allow you know. Once once it's hardened and once they 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 adhere it to the steel and then they start shaping it, you'll get you know what you're what you're smelling there is what those materials kind of combined, um, hmm. you know you know the makeup yep. of those. I know yeah, what I, I know what you're talking about. It was awesome. Yeah, I've got a bunch of bussies with uh. Uh, my car to handle, so I I know what you're talking about in that uh, in that smell or the odor, the new smell on them. Don't, yeah. don't encourage his illusions, yeah, Cliff. Smell. Yeah, because well, I was using, any worse, man. All I right. was using wooden handled like Hele and like Swedish stuff for bushcraft, and then I'd switched over to an SE with a. It was the first time I'd ever like experienced the micarta handle, and I was like, damn, this is like, this is the ticket. This is the way to go, especially for yeah, bushcraft. But- and the, the first time you actually had it in your hand and felt it, and were able to just get a good grip on that on that handle, I bet you t- you definitely t- uh, felt the difference there. 
Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta yep. get that grip, dude. That's the thing. You gotta do it. Um. All right. So let's let's just let's let's cruise right into it. Uh, how much has social media destroyed knife collecting? <laughs> or made it better? Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it, it, it's definitely expanded the knife collecting community. I'll give it that. Well, that was very politically correct of you, Cliff. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's you, know, you know, a lot of guys see it. Oh, that's cool. Uh, you know, they'll, you know, so they'll they'll see the pictures, and and they'll kind of jump on it from there. Uh, so so it you know it's expanded it. It's helped. It, it's helped a lot of knife makers and a knife companies in that respect. Hmm. Uh, as to, I think it's taken away, and I've, I've already kind of touched on that, it, it's taken away from the history, and it's taken away from traditional materials. Right. Because everybody wants the new greatest thing, or the new feng shui steel, or the new, you name it, and... You know, it, it's taken away from your traditional steels and your traditional handle materials and your traditional knives. Yeah, I could uh, see that. Like, to, you know, just more tradition in general. Time, yeah, for a long time, mm. slip joints have kind of fallen out of favor, except for a niche group of people. Um, and you know, they they've just within the last few years suddenly started making a bit of a, a comeback. Uh, you know, again, you had your niche hardcore slip joint fans, but that was it. Mm. And you know, with with uh, uh, Tony Bowes and um, what's the other guy, uh, Davidson. Uh, there's another. There's a slip joint maker from down south, uh, the name of Davidson, mm. who's really good. And then uh, um, Enrique Pena. You know, a few other in Doc Tabor and a few of those other guys have kind of helped bring it, mm-hmm. bring it back to light and get more people interested in it. But yeah, for the longest time, it was all it's got to be a tactical folder because I have a ta- I ha- it, it just has to be a tactical folder. Right. You know, when you I was know, younger, going to those shows like in the early two thousands, it seemed like, like you said, like all tactical stuff because of wartime. Like it just seemed um, like the mindset, like everybody was trying to make like military, like like centric yes. stuff. Well, that that's kind yeah. that's kind of it in any of the uh, industries like that, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be the knives or the 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 gear, um, the guns, the holsters, the yeah. uniforms. Oh, the army just adopted just adopted this uniform. So next thing you know, you get guys running down to the military surplus store, seeing if they can get that that type of uniform or that type of patterning or or stuff like that. Uh, you know, the mil- uh, military starts a lot of it, or the military oriented uh, equipment, or in the in the case for our purposes, your knives uh, start a lot of that. And mm-hmm. you know, you, you you saw that with a lot of the knives that. Gerber was making because uh, you know Gerber's been a, a military contract you know they've had military contract knives or, or a military they've been a military contract company for essentially since Vietnam yeah a couple um, years yeah. now you know same Way thing back. with K-Bar or Camelus 
so a lot of those knives are popular on the civilian side. And just offshoot, a lot of makers became popular because of that, because, you know, they would pick up their, you know, a military contract for a small run here. Um, so we have a small military contract run here. Emerson would pick up a small military contract run there. Um, you know, and suddenly everybody's, oh, I need to get that, grab that, I need to grab that. You know, that, that really helped. You know, that really pushed Emerson to the forefront uh, uh, of the knife world. Uh, with a lot of his naval contracts, you know, everybody's like, oh, you know, and, and John on. So that's what made him start developing his, you know, going from his, his CQ, his what, Blackbirds and CQC-6s, you know, to the civilian market wanting them as well. So the CQC-7s, uh, the CQC-8s, the, you know, it, it brought him up to enough light that that firearms companies were looking at him too. So H&K approaches Emerson, hey, make a knife for us. Boom, you got the CQC-10, you know, and it progresses, and it progresses from there. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of them. The mm-hmm. Emerson line has uh, expanded a lot. Like a great deal, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, yeah. you, you and you, you, you can go back, you, 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 you can trace it back, and a, and a lot of and a lot of it is due to the the military contracts. If you look at a, mm. a lot of the a lot of the the knives he was making uh, during his garage days, uh, he was making a lot of standard fixed blade knives, a lot of standard knives back then, and selling them, and. The military contracts are what really got brought him to the forefront, and that changed the dynamic. And most of his, most yeah, most really of his production from there went to your tactical style of knives. Hmm. You know, Emerson is a great. That's a that's a great segue because Emerson holds. Uh, I th- I think a special a special point in in our in our journey here because. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about the USN. I know, I know you've you've been a you've been a serious USNer for a little while, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, I've I've, I've been I first joined USN around 20, not, 2009, 2008, 2009, I guess. I had a, I had a couple of friends who were uh, also knife collectors and former military, and we were just all working together. And that they kind of got me into USN. Um, USN started off as uh, basically a bunch of guys that were just really annoyed or upset with how Blade Forums was going, and they they decided to branch off and do their own thing. And at one point, Les Robertson had coined a term for a lot of the guys who were the hardcore Emerson fans, and he coined the term the usual suspects. And they took that, and so and that's what they used to start this new knife forum. And it started out as just a uh, a bunch of knife collectors and and knife users who were fan were fans of, of Emerson. And you know it has progressed and grown exponentially since then. And I know, I don't know exactly when USN started. I want to say 2000, early 2000, 2000, 2002. Um, it's kind of hard because they had a big crash back in 2004 just because the, 
you know, the forum servers weren't the greatest back then, and they lost everything that they had, and so they had to rebuild everything. And so when you when you look at a lot of the old school collectors, uh, a lot of them have been there since 2004. That's just because when they had to rebuild uh, the USN site and then progress from there. But they had been it had been around for a couple of years before then, and it just it just it's just grown. Uh, so many knife makers joined it. Uh, so. Uh, and so many more collectors and it was for the longest time a collector's forum mm. um, and it's you know they got the, the first gathering going and you know Luke you know lukewarm at success enough just like any you know just like the Las Vegas show was uh, well you know last year on its first year you know you, you had a you know, small room with a lukewarm reception and then they, they decided to keep it going you know, because one of the nice things about the USN is they've had a lot of really strong knife makers in the forum with their own sub-forums, so they were able to get some of them there. And they've continued to do that over the years. And the next year, same thing, a few more of them came. And the next year, same thing, a few more of them came, and I just kept building up until now. Now the USM gathering's a, a major show, and, you know, a lot of makers... Uh, we'll make it, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll put out, I'm only going to do two shows this year, Blade and Gathering, or I'm only going to do two shows this year, Gathering in New York, you know, we'll space out enough time to make a few knives in between. Um, so, but it's become enough of a powerhouse that it's, it is one of the shows that a lot of the knife makers, when they have to pick and choose, you know they pick it, and you know you got you guys are you guys have been there for the shows the last few years as well. You can see, um, mm -hmm. you can oh, see yeah. how how much it's just grown in the last few <laughs> years. I've been to see what was what was last year it was eleven. Yes, G eleven. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I fir my first one was G three, and it's just grown so much since I'm literally more than doubled in size since then. It just Wow. If not trouble, wow. really. Amazing. It's, you know, and I was, I mean, my first, my first gathering, I was, you know, because I, you know, I really didn't get to go to much in knife shows because I was working a lot. And even now, that's the only real show I get to go to because, uh, again, I'm always working, working a lot. So, uh, uh, you <laughs> know, for me, it was like I was hog wild in there. I, G3, I think I walked out of there with... I, what do I walk? Kid I think I walked out of there store. with a. Oh. Yeah, I think I walked out of there with around 20 knives in my bag. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Damn. I, I was guessing like maybe five or ten, but not 20. Damn. Jesus. No, uh, and, and, and the bad thing is, is, is well, not, not really a bad thing, but I walked out of there with this, with this really funky. Uh, Oh, I don't even know what to describe it because I've forgotten what the name of it was, but it's cross between an axe and some kind of pick thing that uh, uh, DJ Urbanowski from American Kami. Uh, oh wow! Uh, but that's cool. Made uh, he I'm made that thing, and one. I just saw on the table. I was like, oh, I'll take that. And he he had actually I bought a few things from him through the forum, so oh. he knew me. So and that and then that same show I bought. A wakazashi off Sal Monero's table. Jesus. Uh, was it one of his? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Sal oh, made wow. it. CPM wow. 154 with a black G10 scales. And it was Wakazashi. Hey. And, Do you still and have he was it? like, and he was like, oh, yeah, I, no, I still have it, yeah. Nice. That, that, that thing's kind of, of a pride and joy. Uh, he, uh, you know, it's fantastic, little walkie. Uh, huh. Sheath, Dave Brown told me I should really send it to him to make a new sheath because uh, I think the sheath was a, much, a little much for Sal. Uh, but the the, the the walkie itself is a fantastic knife. I love it. Um, but that was one of the things I saw. I'd, I'd be walking around with, with those two things sticking out the back of my backpack <laughs> through that show. And it was just, you know, mm. I, I, I just, yeah, for a couple of years I was going crazy at the show because that was my, that was my re, only real fix in that area. And so I would save up, squirrel money away off this side and... You know, when I got to the show, I'd be able to grab some stuff that I wouldn't normally be able to grab and just really enjoy it and a lot of fun. And then got, got to meet a lot of other collectors that that, uh, that I'd only just talked to on the forums or, uh, again, that was, it's a first time meeting them and realizing that I'm not the only one out there like this. And, you know, m- you know, my wife tends to call me crazy quite a bit. <laughs> and... Uh, that's right. I, you know, through through the show, I found out I'm not the only crazy person like that. So it was a, it was a real good mm. thing for me on that one. Well, the USN is definitely like, I, I think I would not be the only one to describe it like this, but the USN is not a casual, casual show. It's like everybody is there for the agreed upon reason. Like there are no people just like kind of passing through. Like if you came to Vegas for the USN, like, you know, you are there to hang out and talk shit and get knives like it's not yeah like blade show there was a knife show in town yeah we came to look at it like Like, no blade show (laughs) definitely has people just kind of walking through and like new york not much but like you do get knife shows where people just kind of stumble upon it like usn is not that usn is like you see the same people every year pretty much you know one or two people who you didn't see last year but who are like oh no i've been part of this forever and i just haven't had a chance and now i'm psyched to be here but it's you definitely get that knife community feeling at USN. Um, it's yeah. a show onto itself. They've always it said is. that in it like the description, you know. They're always yeah. like, "This is not a knife show. This is like a get together." Right. Um, Which it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it, you know, I, I try and warn people about that because because uh, uh, you know because people are like yeah, I heard there's gonna be a knife show in town and this I'm like, it is a knife show. But just be prepared for what for just be prepared when you walk in the doors. You're gonna see be stuff to there be you you will never have imagined. Right. Um, you, you've never seen anything like some of the knives you'll see. Uh, and you may never see some of those knives ever again. Once they're sold, they will get squirreled away into collections, and they will never see the night light of day. Um, but you will see stuff you, that you will you will never see again, or you will never imagine seeing. And it, you know, I warn people it is a collector's show, uh, so you're going to see a lot of fantastic knives, a lot of gorgeous knives, and a lot of expensive knives. So yeah. just be prepared walking in the door. You know, that's it's that's knife shows are like that, and that's that's what's fun. I mean, the USN is like that, and then yeah, pre- trying to prepare people for a knife show is like I don't know, man. I don't know if you can do it. 
like you're like you just try to tell people like look i know this seems crazy but like this is how it works you mean like casuals or what like, yeah what just like about? just trying to describe a knife show to anybody any even oh, casuals yeah. who've never been to a knife show it's just like there's so much going on like try to describe mm-hmm. to someone going to blade show it's like just forget it like it's insanity there's just so much to see even yeah. at usn there's like there's there's so much to see you know you get lost yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude, especially now because it is it is getting so much or it has been getting so much bigger yeah you know it used to be you know when i first went around the third one you could run in for the day and run out and you're good to go but yeah. now now there's like spiderco and boker and benchmade and like it's all really politics. weird cause, yeah they have like they they have like these tiny little booths at this at this show and you're like what is going on here yep but what i mean well, it just seems like such like a it's like a quaint sh- yeah it's it's so yeah. it's so much of a community show and then like you have these production companies who no matter how quaint you think the show is they take it you know it's it's a serious mm-hmm. show like they take it yeah, like oh no this is it and it's others oh yeah like this is like, like you can just yeah. walk up and just have a conversation with like the head of this multi-million dollar company <laughs> exactly like you can't mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in any other industry people are like no. oh yeah they're just like owner. hey what's up yeah he's just like hey what's going on man like sure like i own this mm-hmm. like cool like that doesn't yeah. happen yeah and, and and that's the thing as well um was the the guy from Spider Co? What's his name? Les? Sal? Glesser? Oh, oh yeah. Sal, yeah, 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 Sal, yeah, yeah. I mean, Sal will be there. Um, at least, it, you know, over the years, I've seen him there for both days, and some other years, I've only seen him for one day. But yeah, I've seen him there talking to people. Um, you know, you know, the, you know, the, the guy, you know, to it, um, Tim Reeve. I've seen him at, at some of the shows on their table. Oh yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Emerson. He will sit there, mm-hmm. and if you can, you go to Emerson's table, and if you get the chance to talk to him, he will. It, it will be him talking your ear off, not you walking up as the collector, going, "Oh my God, that's Ernie Emerson!" And you know, just your chance to meet him and talk with him. He will actually talk your ear off, and Mary will walk over and drag him away. <laughs> it's a. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, it gets pretty interesting. Yeah. No, the owners of all those companies and the custom makers yeah. are all there, and they're more than happy to talk to you. That's I remember yeah. the first time I went over to Spider Co. to like go talk to Sal, and I finally uh, was able to like see him because he was so busy. But I was like scared and nervous, and he was just talking like a normal guy, just no problem. I mean, I was like, damn, that's like the head of Spider Co. There but, might be something about you know m- meager beginnings, you know, mm-hmm. amounting to exceptional outcomes or something i don't know but i mean these you know most of these guys are so accessible yeah yeah i mean like the story of spider co is like pretty like kind of ridiculous so i mean like it's pretty awesome yeah like that that would have had to have been um kept you pretty level-headed but yeah i mean shows shows like that are are a great part of the community where people can just walk up and talk to these guys or the makers or whoever Mm -hmm. um they're just available yeah yeah, they're just they're just there I mean, I would, I would definitely think that USN was, I, I don't know. There are definitely, there's still reasons to check out the the USN forum. I don't know if it's as relevant as it, as it once was, but I know that USN was the last holdout relevancy because I think that Blade Forums was like, 
I don't know that anybody. I mean, okay, I'm sure somebody still goes on Blade forums, but I know that USN is is still somewhat relevant now, even though social media is still there. And I think that a lot of people would just relegate Blade forums to like the past. No, I don't think so. Mm. Um, no? Blade forums still has a very strong presence. Uh, uh, Blade forums in USN are pretty much as forums go, because forums seem to be a dying breed because of the. Uh, you know, because of the advent of social media and the progression of social media uh, between Instagram and Facebook and such, but you know, Blade forums in USN they're 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 still there. They're still relevant, relevant, um, but they are the last of the dying breed. Hmm. Uh, there's still a lot of people on both of them. Uh, I think honestly, I think more so with Blade forums these days. Oh, okay. All right. You're, you still get a lot of traffic through Blade forums because they they break up a lot of the stuff they do. Uh, some may some of the makers still just work, uh, will still work through that forum. Hmm. Um, so so they yeah. They the only problem with the forums was uh, the ease of up like Instagram. It blew up so much because of the ease of uploading photos on forums. Exactly, even to this yeah. day, you still need a you need a third party server and like photo bucket yep. doesn't work now. So there's other servers, but if you want to put a photo up, you have to put it up in a different website on a different account and then link it over and it was just the pain. Or that's, reference that's their photo. What, yep, that's what's really pushed them down. That's what brought uh, Instagram and Facebook to the forefront. Is just being able to take that picture on your phone, load, uploading it, and going. It's like bam, it's right there. The Image one hosting. thing I would always use uh, USN for, not so much recently, but like I would always get on there to look at the high res images of Todd Rexford's work. Oh, okay. Now that's where it came in handy. Hmm. Yeah, it, a lot. A lot of the makers will put some really nice pictures up because again, yeah, they're like, selling their product. Yeah, but nice documentation. The, you know. Yeah, but one of the th- one of the areas is they've got a sub forum in there called Steel Dust Junkies, mm-hmm. and that's actually a really good forum to peruse. Um, questions are just you know you're you're trying to build something, you're trying to help make something, you're having problems here, or you're having a problem here, and actually the guys on there are very we're, we're always very willing to help each other and impart some knowledge or and, and help people out and you know if you really look through the through that particular sub forum you know guys are like yeah i'm having a problem with this or i'm having a problem with that you'll have four or five makers that have been around for a day or two will jump in and say well you should try this or you should try that or this has worked this is what's worked best for me or this is what's worked best for for me here and, and you'll have Alishowitz or Mayo and some of these other guys jump in there and they'll they'll give some advice or they'll throw a little bit of little tidbits of information out there that that's kind of nice that can come in you know handy and just a little nice little impart you know impart of knowledge so yeah I mean there's definitely uh, you know what mm-hmm. I, I will say that knowledge yeah. yeah I will say that forums do an excellent job being an integral part of the internet in general because forums don't go away like it's easy to search a forum for knowledge like that so actually you know what you're absolutely right like something like blade forums in usn will always be relevant because you'll be able to search the whole forum for information whereas like instagram you can't really search like i mean you can kind of search instagram for a specific thing but it's not like yeah, like if you went on Blade Forums and you're like, you know, I need to make a knife, like there'd be thousands of articles about how to make a knife. When's the last time you got on Blade Forums? Oh, it's been a, a really long time. Like a very long time. Yeah. 
Like I like this thing. I probably logged on to USN six months ago just to be like, is this is still here, and to check like the knuckle draggers, like the like the AFK forum part, mm-hmm. um, which I you know. No, the the, the forums do have a lot of good information, and as, as you were mentioning that something else that, that that really kicked into my mind, and um, again because you know even to this day. You know, I'm still a huge fan of the fixed blades and, you know, kind of some of the knives that Elijah's been talking about in the bushcraft area. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know I, I'm a big fan of the bushcraft knives myself. And, you know, Blade Forum, has, they've got a strong, you know, sub-forum area for bushcraft, hollow handle style knives, things like that, that are legitimate knives, not your cheap Chinese or anything like that, or your cheap older Chinese um, they're, they're legitimately you know well made you know higher end production to customs and there's just a whole you know community whole area for that on there and bushcraft is one of those other areas that it kind of it had its own little niche for the longest time and then over the last few years with a few of the companies you know, putting out those styles of knives kind of brought brought it back into more of a front a forefront area. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's right. Like the sub forum is an amazing place. Yeah. Where communities like have a space of their own, where they're just like, yeah, that's where I go to check on, you know, daily activities or whatever. Like social media doesn't really break down in, like that, but in a forum, like if you're posting in that sub forum. That's it. Like everyone agrees that you're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Where are them new pocket trinkets at? Yeah. Where well, are you? You have that too, but you you've got you got you've got both ends of the spectrum from the you know the, the new the new pocket trinkets or the new feng shui. You name it. Oh, this is the new great gadget. You know, to to the legitimate. You know, and 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 I'll fall back to that that bushcraft one. Uh, when when I get when. A guy who, who legitimately takes that SE or that, um, oh, there's so many companies making them now, but I'll just use the SE or Tops as an example for their bushcrafts. We'll take one of those knives out and we'll put it through its paces. We'll just beat the, you know, they'll baton it and they'll actually go out for a few days, you know, you know camping and you know, fishing and, and you name it with it and put it through a few paces and then give you legitimate feedback um, to what it, it, it will and what won't do or to what its mm-hmm. capabilities are versus some dude walking walking into the backyard and, you know, destroying the table that, or using it on the table in the backyard and, uh, you know, giving his wife an excuse to go buy a new one. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you so, want to know whether or not your knife sucks? Hand it to a bushcrafter for a week. Yeah. Or a week, a week day. I mean, they don't need a week. Like, yeah, it's, you're going to know pretty soon. No, I mean, it's yeah. definitely like on social media, we'll never be able to hold attention span for the length of a YouTube video or a legitimate write-up article, which is exactly where mm-hmm. that comes in handy. Like, it's just, oh, you actually want to know something that's longer than like, 141 characters like you you would need to reference one of these forums mm-hmm. and it'll yeah. be there forever it's not going anywhere well you know as long as the internet exists one of them servers yeah can hold up you know 
but in most cases it's for a very long time so yeah yeah well i mean nowadays too the owners of those forums uh, you know they uh, i wouldn't be surprised if there was a big server it was just a backup oh yeah and just you're backing yeah. everything up because there's just so much there Oh my God, and, yeah. and then just the amount of knowledge, and, you know, the owners yeah, of the forums are just like us. They're, they're the, they're, you know, they're, they're the knife collectors, the, or the knife nuts, or the the guys that are just crazy for the knives and love them. And otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. They're they can't be making money off of something like that. It's right. You know, it, it's something because it's it's their passion, just like it's ours. Yeah. So did Ernie not start the USN, or some other people started it in his name or something? Like it was just like um, the usual suspects. It was just that group of guys. It Is was it that group of the guys. There were people? there were two, there were a couple of them who were the main guys. Um, one was a part. I'm, and honestly, I can't remember all their names right now. One of them was a part-time knife maker, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind. Of, and and his, his his knife company or his knife was Toxic Blade was. There's a kid, there's a young man named Ben who's using toxic blades now, but uh, I'm back familiar. then I actually worked with him. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and he had a uh, I forget what he was calling it, but it was something in the toxic line, um, and he he was one of the guys that helped with it. And um, there's a dealer from Florida. He's the one that uh, uh, who's basically running the the gathering. He's one of he he's one of the other guys that helped out getting it going mm-hmm. as well. There were there were, there were a few of the guys. It wasn't just one or two. There was there were several guys that were like, you know, this would be awesome. You know, let's let's move over because this is mm-hmm. just getting really. I and mean, you know, if you read back to some of those much older posts or much older threads, uh, they're they were pretty spicy. There there was a. Uh, you know, you could see where a few of those guys are, are were pretty much have been banned, were banned off blade forums. You know, you know, 15, 20 years ago, because they were just getting some pretty spicy in there, and a lot of <laughs> arguments and things like that. And you know, it was just, yeah. So anytime someone is that passionate about almost anything, they're gonna butt heads with somebody else who is equally as passionate about it. You know. Yep. Yep. We see that all the time these days. Yeah, that's that's an inevitability to 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 a point. Yep. Yep. Is uh, I uh. Oh yeah, yeah. I see. I just see so much of it, and and you've got to the point where where you do have some knife collectors on social media that are extremely passionate about it and have been around a very long time, and so when you do have a a, a newer knife collector or a younger knife collector pop up. And they're seeing something from a maker who's been around for 30 years, and they're like, "Well, who's this new guy?" And then you see that seasoned collector, that older collector, just start losing his mind. Then it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like Aaron yeah. Frederick yeah. had to experience." It's like, "Here's this new maker award." Like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yep. Like, yep. I've been making. He's been making knives longer than I've been alive. <laughs> it's yep. all perspective. Yep. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There was a there was another instance uh, of that about six or eight months ago. Uh, uh, this mm-hmm. slip joint maker out of Texas has been around for like 30, 40 years, and uh, a new collector. And this was a young man uh, popped up and was like, "Who's this? Um, it looks kind of cool, but who is this guy? Or who's this new guy or whatever?" And a couple of the older collectors were just like losing their minds off of it going what you've got to be kidding me right mm. 
and uh, and that's why you see a few of these guys, and they're pretty neat. They're I mean they're pretty. I I can't pull names off the top of my head, and I really wouldn't want to throw them out. But but you, you're if you're on you're on Instagram, and that you know who these guys are, and that because yeah. lately over the last six months they've started throwing little educational things out about knives, mm. about blade material here, or handle material here, or a history of this, or a history of that, because they they lost their minds initially. Then they're like, well. Maybe some of these people do need an education, so they'll throw. So they do throw something up there about, you know, some of these older, or these, you know, knife makers who've been around a long time, um, you know. So it's, <laughs> it gets well, interesting. You know, I, I know that Cliff, you and I have kind of talked about this before, and I'm, I'm sure I brought it up in passing. But like, it seems like, and it might just be my perspective, but it definitely seems like in the last. I'm going to say two to three years. It seems like the knife community as a whole is becoming self-aware in a way that it has not in the past. Like maybe, and then that's, you know, that's another reason you're, you're here now is just like, is it us or like, is the knife community expanding to a point where it's so much bigger than it has ever been? And like knives are, Knives are fucking cool on a level that they haven't been in the past, and and that's what's attracting these new collectors. Well, yes, and and you have a lot of factors or variables uh, in that. Um, that's one of the areas, one of the positive areas to social media, is a lot of knife makers who would not have otherwise become very well known other than their own rural areas um, by virtue of the social media have been able to become more well known amongst the community uh, and then and that's where a lot of your younger uh, knife makers are, are popping up that way as well um, Toxic Blaine's uh, uh, Ben Chacon being one of those guys and uh, uh, another young man Stark from Stark Knives uh, he's another young man who's just been doing some tremendous work and you're getting a lot of these really uh, you know the, 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 these young you know young men and young women even these days um, who Thanks to social media and getting to in getting to know people, uh, are are venturing into making knives, and are actually getting some assistance from seasoned knife makers, um, or are getting into the knife collecting community um, by virtue of what's available from from the, the you know the larger presence of knife makers to the larger presence of your production companies uh you know for you know your more of your american companies popping up or they're present it's becoming more known to the chinese companies over the last you know five six years stepping up their game um you know and providing uh, better quality or a, or a, a yeah better quality product than what was produced 15 20 years ago you know that three dollar you know Chinese knife versus you know some of the knives that we and Riot and some of these other companies are producing these days and with them in that same note being a platform for a lot of uh, knife makers or knife designers getting their 
uh, designs and knives out to people uh, in a way that they could not have normally or previously done. Mm, so yep. I think that's that's greatly affected the uh, the knife community mm -hmm. and expanded it. Yeah. And I think I've seen that just in the past couple of years since I've been in it, uh, even more so now. It's where it seems like now, just somebody with a little bit of money and a design can have something made. Yeah. And yeah. that might not be a great thing, and it well, might be. Who knows? It that that's its own that's its own little thing because it's like honestly, and with that, the numbers will show. Um, mm -hmm. it, it may not be a great design. Um, and I think a lot of the, you know, once it hits the dealers or is marketed, that's where they find out that maybe it wasn't as good a design as they, they hoped or it would be when, you know, it doesn't sell. And yeah. that's one of the nice things about these companies is you can make a run of 150 knives or 300 knives. And, you know, you could have, uh, you know, a, a dealer pick those knives up and, and put them up and you can see right there. Well, you know, they sell out. Great. You know, maybe you had a good idea there. And, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know, something to look at more in the future. Or mm -hmm. it's not selling very lukewarm response or a little bit of a critical response, and you're like, mm, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. And then just that it's upon that individual um, there to decide how he or she will move forward with mm -hmm. that. They could either have their head stuck in a hole and, and keep driving that way and just you know bang their head against the wall because nothing will will ever happen or the flip side to the the design was actually a, a good design or a well-received design or a um um trying to think of the right word a kind of a, a futuristic enough or a progressive enough design mm -hmm. that people really enjoyed it and liked it and then it's for that person going okay now what can I do now? Because that worked and worked great, but do I want to keep doing that, or do I want to progress myself and exactly. you know make something more? Or do you know what's my next step? How you can have I your make, whole life. How, how can um, I level up? Yeah, mm -hmm. you have your whole life to write that first album. But once that once that second album needs to happen. Yeah, like, are you going to continue to put fucking holes in the blade all the time? Like, just garbage holes in the blade? Yeah, just keep or are you just throwing gonna, them damn holes in the blade. Are you going to level up? That's the question. Yeah. We'll you see can't with just, this, with this you can't just new, put uh, fucking holes in the blade all the time. You know, not you, but I mean batch. other people. Yeah, we're totally not talking about you here, Leslie. Yeah, no, yeah, not we'll talking about you at all. Knives well, out. you know, it's like <laughs> the first movie was great. The second movie was all right. right. The third movie was like, meh. Fourth movie exactly. was like, uh, it went straight to the video. Right. You know, it's like yeah. you, you, you want it. You want to progress. You want to, you you know, keep you, going, you keep coming up with new stuff and yeah. keep going. And it, you've got both ends of that spectrum there. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's think, something that that these companies yeah. are allowing people to do so to do now. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I, that's actually a, a good perspective that I 
I don't know if I've looked at it that way, but you're right in the way that it, uh, like short, it's like short run stuff. Like, fuck it. Like, you know, let's just try it, see if this works. And that allows for a huge amount of experimentation that otherwise would not be useful. Because otherwise, you know, how would we know that the abstruse was garbage? But now we know because we it was made, or sorry, what was that other thing called? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you I mean now, now we know for something else. Now we know, and then so we can move on. The, so that's the that's good. Knife with the different name. That's good, you know. Well, but, but now we know, just, you know. And it's, it's I don't not, even own one. I mean, that might tell you something. It, it it allows dealers who've been who've been in the community and have been around for a long time yeah. to 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 throw their own spin on it too. Because a dealer can go to one of these companies. I mean, they do a Spyderco all the time for sprint runs, mm-hmm. um, and allows uh, allows a dealer to go to a company and say, you know what, I want to have my exclusive. Right. Um, right. And I you know and Spyderco will respond back. Okay, here's your options. And how many do you want? There's, you know what, there's... 300, 500, 1,000. There's so much integration. Like, there's so much, more than there ever has been between makers, like, dealers, collectors. The whole thing is just, you know, because a lot of also what we're seeing is is production companies teaming up with makers and doing, you know, small sprint runs that are exclusive Mm -hmm. for dealers. Like, it's so... There's, like, a deck of cards, and you can kind of shuffle it however you want, and I don't know... I don't think we've seen everything, but... uh, We've seen a lot of stuff in the past couple of years that in the past just wouldn't have been possible, you know? Yeah. No, we definitely have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. There's an old, I think it's a Knife Center interview from a Blade show like a couple of years ago. Um, it's Brad Southerd outside talking. They like interviewed him. And I think what he said there in that interview was really important. Uh, and I haven't heard it since, really. Um, he said about uh, additive processes about 3D printing and metal and stuff is really going to shape the industry moving forward. Man, he was you know, wrong. will change huh? the whole industry wow. of manufacturing. It just still hasn't been cheaper. Only one knife manufacturer successfully it did it in production. Yeah. It was just still insanely expensive for what it was. Uh, it, it's time. Same thing when 3D printing first came out. It was very expensive. I don't think 3D metal printing will be a viable option for at least another two years. Wait, Nick, uh, they said it would be an ready. additive process? Uh, Line Steel did one. They yeah, Line Only Line Steel has done it. I think. Okay, but it was like a nine hundred and fifty dollar knife, okay. and that it was, was still. Pro- yeah, it was ugly. They didn't use it to the best of their experience. If I would have probably used it, I would have probably made a knife look solid, and then but like have it weigh nothing because the entire inner structure would have been honeycomb. What they did is they made it look like a spiderweb knife which made it just look like a flea market knife uh but they're just trying to show off what they could do with it which is pretty cool and all and even then what they charged i think it was like 900 some dollars that still wasn't enough knowing what it costs to use the system it's yeah, super slow loss. and yeah when they did it was even earlier now they came out with the first commercial units but even those units are still about 80 grand uh just mm. to get the basic versions and it's still it's mainly like a really high-end prototyping machine the only time it's worth using in industry or doing things like propellers like really complex machine parts uh not a knife handle just yet it'll be a few more years but at this point they're printing titanium they're they're printing certain high um high alloy steels similar to m390 uh all the tool steels are printable Hmm. and it's just growing Right. But it's going to be yeah, some time and process. All right. Yeah, it's going to be a while for that. But th- there was also a, a young man up in Canada, uh, a spider knife maker. Uh, 
Liam, Liam, cool. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I busted his balls at times. He never actually finished that knife. But yeah, he was working on it because he, he was specializing in that. But I think he's doing something else for work now. He doesn't mess with us often. But uh, yeah, I mess with him every time I see him because he still goes to the New York show and Blade show, US and Tom Simes. But uh, he never well, really what finished was the that knife? knife. But he, he was very close. He, he 3D printed access. the entire he knife with like blade and handle and spacer. Hmm. Yeah, he worked in a shop that had yeah, that he, machine. He, yeah. Hmm. yeah, from what yeah, he uh he's he's yeah, he's a good kid. He uh he, he started off wanting to be a knife maker and he was getting some help from some different so, with some established makers and uh, he ended up getting accepted to a because he's really bright and he got a, uh, accepted to an engineering school. Hmm. And was going to the engineering school and, and and was doing, from what I understand, very well there. And they were basically giving him free run of their shop. And they had the 3D, uh, they had the uh, the metal printer there, and that's what he was using. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah he's well, a good mind back, really nice young man. Back, back in the day, uh, like eight years ago, so I used to Skype call with him and teach him how to do 2D CAD. Uh, with like mm-hmm. Skype video yeah, sharing, yeah, and all of a sudden, like four years later, he's like, oh, "I'm doing all this," and I'm like, "Hey, can you teach me now? <laughs> can you show me?" He's that? made a couple of my designs, even. Wow, really? Liam Cooley? Yeah, he's one of the only. He's him and Ben are actually the two people that have have made the first ever of my knives ever. Like it was just him and uh, Ben. Yeah, I got one of them. I don't even know where the folder is. I'll have to ask him. Hmm. But there's only one. We only made one of them. But yeah, he's a, uh, yeah. It, it, it pretty. It might make it to our industry at some point. I think it's gonna be a while. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I don't think uh, what's been done is used right. It's gonna change some things about it. It'll be a cool, easy way to make integrals. That's for sure. Uh, or sense. even sectional knives, with that, like Elijah does. Um, mm. Also, kind it's of take some time. Yeah, and and honestly, it, it's going to be coming out of your big, uh, your bigger production companies too. That would um, make sense. Yeah, you're you're what? you know, you're you're going to see a lot of your knife makers staying pretty traditional. Um, yeah, stuff like that, just because of the expense. You know, look look how long it's taken for so many makers I, just uh, for the CNC to come right, along because yeah. of expense, and that'll be yeah. The same I don't thing. even think it'll be the three D printing because even to this day, three D plastic printing has been out for a while, and yeah. it's it's never become a production thing. Even now, it's been out for ten plus years, and you could get into three D printing for a hundred dollars nowadays. Yeah, uh, it's more of a product prototype process. Even like manufacturers, they'll have a three D printer unit. And they'll uh, pr- prototype everything out with it, and now they have SLA printers, which are even better and, and more defined. But like, as soon as the pro- product is made, it, it goes it goes to casting. What I think will really happen is uh, they've been really developing casting a lot better these days, and I think they'll be developed. Like titanium casting is still fairly new. Uh, I think right. that's what's going to get better, and the 3D printing will still be for rapid, uh, low-cost prototyping. And uh, I think Just, they're, they're going to advance more casting capabilities. Benchmade 42 handles were titanium casts. That's so weird. Yeah, which is very, which is ahead of its time. Ahead of its time at that time, it was still relatively new. And I still say, think it's, that was a different type of cast. They didn't do that in-house did process. They? I think what they're yeah. doing now is even is different. We we had yeah, a guy we had a guy come into the shop, it. and he was like, I used to work at Benchmade. And I like I was like the head like caster. Like he's like I have like a 
whole sets of, of 40 series Benchmades. Huh. He was like, yeah, I used to like work on the cast for that. And I was, that's like it's intensely insane. Like, uh-huh. yeah. But now they're trying to incorporate rapid cast technology into that, which uh, I noticed the collision of the calls have switched. Uh, and they're using some sort of rapid cast for that. But that's not titanium, of course. Right. Hmm. It's pretty far out. Yeah, when you mentioned that that last time when we were uh, we were talking to, looked into but that. What about um, it's a very different process? Yeah. What about stabilized mayonnaise though? Right. Well, that's the next. That's the thing that will tip the scales for a that, lot yeah. of this. Is the stabilized like, mayonnaise? Oh god. Liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen with the stabilized mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. Um, clip. So let's let's go back and then let's go forward a little bit. But uh, so we went over sort of the. The forums. We went over the early days. Uh, what does your collection look like these days? I I know that you you pretty much don't flip. Like that's like you you buy stuff and you pretty much you hold on to it unless you know, unless it's Elijah's knife. You want to get rid of that shit. Oh god. <laughs> but I mean, right in like, the feels. Right in the feels. <laughs> right in the feels. Well, I I do sell off. You can't just keep buying, buying, and buying and 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 not sell anything because it, right. it can be too much you know there's a lot of expense and you only have so much room in a house uh, at, at one point you know but no I, I, for, for the longest time that's what I was doing I was buying and buying and buying mm. and I was basically stashing knives wherever I could find space and it was actually nice as the kids were getting older and and leaving the house so I could take over a room (laughs) and move all of my stuff in Mm. and up until the day my wife decided to walk into that room and went oh my god what is this and yeah, that could be. It's like some like murder cave or something. <laughs> and and she was and she was that like came out the divorce papers. No, 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 <laughs> no. But she was like, "You have a problem." And she was like, "How many knives do you have?" And I was like, "I don't know." You're like, "Not enough yet." <laughs> but you know, so you know, I went through and you know, because I had, you know, I had, you know, I have a lot of the older Maxpedition. Uh, 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 Maxpedition used to make a bag. I don't know if they still do or not. That uh, it's a it's a knife collector's bag, and it'll hold twenty knives or something like that. And I you know I had about ten or fifteen of them. And then you know those the old big military tanker bags, the ones they would use for your your the heavier uh, you know the heavier trucks and and the tanks and heavier machinery. You know the you know the the bags to hold all of the larger tools and that. You know I had a you know. 20 or 30 of those full up with knives and such and and so it, it, it kind of prompted me at that point to kind of go through and do a count and see what I actually had and I was like wow um, I do have quite a bit and you know so at that point there and with, with a short angry woman looking daggers at me I was like okay I guess I'll, I'll, I'll figuratively I'll and physically it <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I realized maybe I should kind of shorten it down a bit. Um, as I'm sitting here in my office looking around, I don't only really think I have, but I actually have surprisingly. Um, but no, I used to. I was bad. At one point, I had over 500 bussy knives. Holy moly! Oh, damn! 
Uh, is that like that's like five of each piece? Each looks like a house. I had a lot of different ones. Yeah, I think the Team Gemini, which is a more popular one because of the Walking Dead, I think it had like sixty of them. Holy moly! The one I mean, and, and, and and it goes with a lot of the makers. Uh, Emerson. Uh, I probably at one point I had well over a hundred Emerson knives. Um, and it, it was a good combination of two. I probably had at least sixty of the customs and, and and you know thirty or forty of the productions and you know Microtech. You know at one point probably sixty or seventy of those. Which for Microtech with collectors, that's actually yeah, rather that's, small. Yeah, uh, but I all of mine were uh, Socom Deltas and. Uh, matrixes and things like that. I really wasn't into the autos as much then, uh, so the, the, it was it was more of the manual folding knives. Um, I I was actually sitting on one for a couple of years and I didn't even realize it was a dual action. Uh, so it was, you know, and even now I'll I'll pull out old Microtex I didn't even realize I had because it's like I bought it and just stuck it in a corner, but. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of Tashi Barucha, so I've got I've got between his knives and the knives that makers have made for him in collaborations, I've probably easily got a 80, 90 of his knives. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, Tashi's. Um, you know, I've been a I, I'd been a fan of Jim Burke for a long time, and so I had had uh, a, you know a good 30 40 50 of his knives um, mm-hmm. it's no secret that I'm a huge fan of Peter Rizzenti I, I really say. like his designs yeah. you know I really I and love Philippe his integrals and yeah well Philippe was uh, uh, Georges uh, more the last few years um, but yeah with, with, with uh, Rizzenti uh, same thing I was probably at one point I was up to 60 of his knives at least um, for uh, Philippe Jorge, I kind of just started getting into him a, a few years ago. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not too bad. I've only got maybe about eight of his knives. Mm. Um, but uh, uh, you know, yeah. So I, a lot of these makers, I, I you know, I really enjoy. Um, and so I have picked up a lot. But I mean, I've got, you know, again, the same thing. Sitting in my office as I'm looking around here, I have everything from Spider Co's sitting here. To literally like the the Georges uh, here in front of me, um, you know, and and the Tashis, it's you know I've got you know it, it's a wide variety. I'm not you know I I love knives and so I just have a variety. I've got case knives sitting here. I have my grandfather's Schrade knives and old timers, uh, you know, from what he gave me when I was younger, and plus what he had when he passed away, they're sitting here right on stand in front of, uh, sitting in here in front of me on top of my desk. So it's just nice. I it's just a very large collection. I'm not, you know, I, I never tried, and and I and I hoped that to never fall into the uh, knife snob category where I have to have this or that. Mm. Um, I you know you know like I've said so many times, so many people, I just I have a love for knives, and so it's not you know it can be a little Swiss Army knife, uh, or it could be you know you know you name it. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's a knife. It's a, it's a design I like. It's aesthetically pleasing to me. Um, cool. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. You know, There's something interesting 
about like after being in it so long like getting like a nice cheap knife there's like a nice like feeling about it I don't know it's like oh it's like it's simple it's there it's like I don't have to worry about it it was not very much money like a Swiss Army knife or something mm, like you yeah. kind of appreciate it more after having the you know really high end stuff I don't know yeah, I mean, I guess I could see that. I mean, you you mm-hmm. don't have to worry about it or something. I mean, that the thing is, and and you know, I think that that sort of echoes sort of what what Cliff is going after there, which is at some point when you appreciate an object, the object transforms, and it it could take different forms, but as long as it's still a knife, it still executes its task. You know, it has a blade, it has a handle, goes in your pocket you know you you can start to appreciate everything like you you look at a Kershaw you know a Protec a Gerber whatever you know or, or any kind of custom you know at some point you're using the same eyes to appreciate the piece um, for different quality measures you know is it is it useful first of all you know can you carry it and can you cut stuff with it be it custom or production it's an essential tool yeah, it is in that respect as well. But also, the you, you've you've had so many fads and trends go through uh, amongst the EDC community, and luckily the knife collecting and the knives have stayed tr- true in the respect of having their place. Um, they've changed along with them because uh, you can see the trends over the years of knives. Uh, the popular is your tacticals, uh, your tactical folders, or your big overbuilt knives, or like what we're kind of seeing right now, we're kind of moving towards the smaller knives are starting to come in back into favor a little bit more now. And I think it's because a lot of these other items that have, have kind of been coming and and made their splash and are kind of out the on their way out in the EDC community, like the, the fidget spinners and the fidget tops and all of this other stuff. And I think the, the like the smaller knives coming back, uh, you know, kind of making their you know the, their way back in now because I think they're meeting that uh, they're meeting they're meeting that fidget factor. They're they're meeting that you know I still need something I want to fiddle around with, play with, but. I, that's not it and I want to be true to myself and so you've got this you know you have this smaller you know knife um, you know sitting here that you can just twirl around in your fingers and you know um, you know and, and just you know just enjoy it and play with it a little bit and you know it just it just meets that factor yeah I can see that like it's there, there is like a there is a fidget factor that's really pleasing about the, a certain size knife like that. I mean, it just kind of, it just fits. Like you can just kind of, you can play with it and it's, I don't know, mm-hmm. it, it is, it's nice. Yeah, and I mean, perfect examples is uh, is like, as the show was starting, uh, Nick was playing with the Spider Co. And, you know, and part of that was because he was enjoying it and he was just, he was just flicking it and just playing with it, having it in his hands and, you know, just you know, as you sit at your desk, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who's got knives sitting all over his desk. And you know, as as I'm doing my work, I'll take a minute and just pick one up and 
you know, just roll it around on my fingers or just, you know, kind of flick it a few times just to play with it a little bit and kind of fidget. And then when I'm done with it, just put it down and go back to work. And, you know, I'm sure there are quite a few guys uh, out there that are like that. And it just, it's meeting, uh, you know, it's meeting that factor, that need. Right. Yeah, I dig that. Cliff, what is, uh, what what's your grail knife right now? That's that's or what's something you're going you're going after? Uh, not to not to spoil your your future uh, grabs, but um, um, there's nothing in specific I'm going after. I uh, I don't know. It it, it it it's it's kind of a subject I've tried to stay away from because as I've sold knives over over the years, people have offered me. Um, other knives and I don't do a lot of trading I'll just sell it and you know I'll either my wife will either take it the money and use it for the kids or the grandkids or I'll, I'll put it into another knife or something that the me uh, that that uh, uh, you know that, that catches my interest but right now hmm. I mean in all honesty it's I've it's an area I've from is I've over I've owned so many knives over the last 40 years I uh no, I, I haven't plateaued or apex by any means, but it, it's, I don't know, it, it's like there's nothing, nothing I'm really chasing. It's something new or really to catch my interest. You know, I have never wanted to say anybody, I you know, to anybody, you know, you, there's nothing you can offer me because I've already had it. I mean, unfortunately, I, I, I am uh, quite a ways down that, that route because it, I have had a lot of knives over the years, and when I did the, when I did have to do the inventory of my collection, I, at that time I, I actually had over four thousand knives in my collection, Holy and my shit. wife was about ready to kill me. Ooh. And uh, that um, is respectable. So I, and I, I've whittled it down. Uh, and three hundred three thousand nine hundred eighty-eight. Um, no, no, no. I've actually uh, I've actually whittled it down probably about halfway. Oh, okay. Um, right. I still have a lot here, but but I've gotten it down, and you know, as much as I'd like to have used it in other knives, I I do have you know children and grandchildren now, so my wife is a very <laughs> ruling authority in that respect. So a lot of that's gone towards them, but um, it's you know I don't know. It's I like to I like to see what's coming out, and you know I'm not I'm not looking at any one maker or any one. Uh, manufacturer in particular I like just I like to see what's coming out and uh, Jar as you will know I, I sit here every day and I look at everybody's <laughs> sites to keep an idea of what's going on and who's coming out and I uh, you know I uh, you know just you know I, I look forward to see what's coming out because of the innovation but there's nothing really anymore I'm chasing too much yeah um, oh, something that something again, that catches my your eyes eye. are yeah, yeah, my eyes are. Always, I'm always keeping my eyes open, yeah. and I mean, how often do I send you pictures of stuff going watch well, this or, you know, it's you know. That's always the. the I, I love it, and then I'm always like, oh, oh man, like I love it, and then I'm sometimes I'm like, shit, like I should get that, and then I'm like, oh god, like if I didn't know about that, I wouldn't have to buy that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's some, some good yeah. stuff. Huh? Yeah, there's but some it, there's some choice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and it's you know, and again, it doesn't have to be anything huge and spectacular it's uh, you know you know about you know seven eight months ago when i picked up this uh spider co this smock spider co i uh you know i changed the scales out to to red because i really like red and uh this thing has just been a, a lot of fun to play with and use over the last six eight months 
and spend them in my pocket a lot. Um, on the same note, everybody knows that I like Rosendi and Kinnison too, so I've always got one of them on me as well. So it's, it, you know, it's funny when, when the guys at the shop, you know, start giving me a hard time or they start wanting to do pocket dumps and that <laughs> and pulling out and you see, I'll pull out anything from a Swiss Army knife to a, I think I had a Lee to Williams. one of the best knives I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, right. it, you know, it's, you know, it's. You know, just the enjoyment of, uh, of the of the of the uh, collecting and and of what they are. Yeah. Nice. I'll never forget when you had that um the one Tashi Burke, uh, Marsh, Fellholter collab. Oh, that one, yeah. <laughs> and like, wow, I was like my grail for so long. Like just one of those, and I think, what is it? You have two of them? Yeah, I have two of them. Th- there were three made. I have two. Yeah, of them. Okay, there were three, three in existence. <laughs> and Cliff has have, two of them. <laughs> And I, I know the guy that has the third one, by the way. <laughs> but that's great. He's like yeah, the most sought after knives in existence. If you're a awesome. Tashi Marsh Burke fan, right, all, which, all in one. Uh, yeah, it's that one. They did an immortal pup. They did an immortal pup once that was like super thick. Cliff, I'm sure you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, I remember the, it. Uh, it was a front. Marsh did the, I think it was Zorkatai clip. And it was just all just plain stonewashed tie, uh, and man, that's it's like the most beautiful knife I've ever seen. Wow! All right. To this day, I mean, it's like it's just I don't know, it's awesome. Hmm. Yeah, no, that I would was, say that's probably my grill. So, let me tell you, there there's some some absolutely fantastic knives that have been made and are out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, they don't have to be the. The flashy, you know, uh-uh. you know, with all the exotic materials and all that, they can be more of a simple designer build, and mm-hmm. it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, the, and it, it has its own, they have it has its own demand. Right. Yeah. I would yeah. like to see. I make a simple lot of, knives. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No, they're, and, they're and they're great knives. Simple, uh, I mean, I've made a career of not doing full dress knives just because I'm like I don't like them. No. Yeah, and they are great knives. The, the the knives of yours that I have, I I enjoy them. They're great. Yeah, they have quite um, a few. And every time I, yeah. I put up a knife on the list, it's like, oh, Cl- Clifford Wilson. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's another uh, like another one. I'm like, did he just? Yeah. Like, he bought an imp, and then, like a week later, he bought another imp. I'm like, did he just get it? I'm like, he didn't even get the first in the mail yet. I don't think. <laughs> Gotta keep him coming. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and it's because it's like I was talking about. Those amps are actually for me really, really uh, meeting that fidget factor. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, they're fucked the fidget because they're small and they they yeah. don't they don't half open. It's either they're open or they're closed. Yeah, no, and 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 they've they, they've really met that niche for me. That's why I enjoy carrying them around. Yeah, I gotta awesome. make myself one. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for the uh, for for one of them with uh, some kind of red scales on it. <laughs> So so oh so yeah, I gotta figure it out because I have a I have like forty more various fat carbons, but not the black and red, and I got thirty one <laughs> high to make right now. So like, yeah, do I want to cut more fat carbon? We'll see. Mm. Like you just gotta figure out how to anodize titanium red. There you go. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. I don't understand why it's not possible because aluminum's fine. Well, it's Science. Totally. No, that's, yeah, that's it's not, totally different, my yeah, guy. Well, I yeah, always thought that the the AL in the six no, AL four V was the color, stuff that's being anodized. No, the aluminum in it. No, they, they added aluminum to the mix. Uh, mm-hmm. Titanium anodized electrically, 
aluminum anodized is not electrically. The colors are coming out of a. It's a dye. dye. It's a chemical bath. So you, you, gotcha. you etch it in acid and you open up the pores and then you fill the pores up with whatever dye. So you, it's like paint. So you can mix the dyes and get different tones of color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the color options okay. are almost infinite. Yeah, and I then you do a third that. process, which seals the dye into the pores. Yeah. Interesting. So that's why when I you anodize colors, like every batch will be a very different color because they have to mix their dyes. Yeah. yeah. Welcome so it's just to- not compatible. The things about knives. No, you were you were a pro tech with us. You saw they had to they had a whole of a, a full time employee that just organized anodizing colors because different oh, yeah, of different colors. Yeah. The consistency of that, but yeah, just, like, just yeah, so and, and and you can nice. actually see that when you when you work in a shop and you carry the the <laughs> when you carry those different companies, <laughs> when you actually uh, those alloys, you can see like one batch will be oh, boy. Uh, uh, the blue will be different from the next batch of the blue because something just mm-hmm. a little bit in in, in that uh in in the temperature in the of the color could be different so yeah. it took yeah. a different amount yeah. of heights yeah the end, so the end user doesn't know because he doesn't have anything to compare to he doesn't have like 25 of the same model like sitting on a exactly. desk like, hey wait a minute none of like, these match being like oh my god yeah. why do none like, of these match collection, he's like oh these are from different batches Oh God! Yeah. You want the light blue? I mean, I I, I, I see it a lot. You know, um, again with Protech, Microtech. You know, I mean, even in my own collection. You know, again, I like red, and so I was sitting there buying up Microtechs. You know, red handle Microtechs. But it's like, um, when I've got one that's red, and then I've got another one that's the closer pinkish. to pinkish than red, but they're calling it red. Then it's like, eh, a little off in the formulations. So it's, that's custom. But I mean, it just you know, it's, that, that can I guess with any of the colors. That'll um, probably have to be done in smaller batches, I guess. So not anodized. No, it just happens a lot with. We see it a lot with black. Um, yeah. they'll, they'll be just a little bit off, and it'll be more like a really dark navy blue than actual black. If if you keep it in the acid etch for a minute longer, a minute shorter, it's just too much variables. The yeah. dye gets worn out, so the pigment gets thinner. Uh, just so like I said, a lot of variables. Uh, sometimes it's in the aluminum because aluminum bar is extruded one way, aluminum sheet is extruded another way. So, so the, that like changes the form it too. of the metal changes it. Does it take yeah anodizing? Yep. Uh, I don't know exactly why, but the different road processes the opens way. up the pore, the pores differently. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, different times all have like. Yeah. Like, like I, I used to use grade thirty eight tie. And normal time, they anodize differently. Yep. And learning how like titanium can warp and do all kinds of weird shit when working with it, I was like, damn, do I want to make knives out of titanium? Yeah. <laughs> That's been the, the eight-year struggle. It's fighting too. warp. Knife making is eighty percent fighting warp. Well, folder knife making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be your you holdback, want- Elijah. It's just the titanium warpage. Yeah, that, that's warp. that's his biggest holdback. Right. That's the largest. As soon as you can, warp. as soon as you can conquer the warp, though, those knives you're making will just be—they'll be really good. Nope. they'll be really good. But see, um, if I never make any they, more uh, knives, those knives that I did make, damn, will they be worth a lot of money? That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, if you'd like, go on PBK Vegas's website. Yeah, you can get a recurve right, neck knife for fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> little plug. <laughs> yeah. Very possible. That El- Elijah Figs Blade <laughs> one of two. Be there. Um. <laughs> It comes with a, yeah. a custom Microtech uh, Direct Delta. <laughs> <laughs> Way seven. Um, yeah. 
Well, no, but yeah, there's a lot. The, the, the warp situation is. Yeah, a, yeah, the warp. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. start when warp. you start making like bolster locks and stuff like that. Uh, the thinner materials and everyone's sure. like, people start bitching about gaps being here and there. I was like, honestly, I've made a knife before where it was a bolster lock and there was no gaps. It was perfect. Uh, and then you take it apart and then you sandblasted it. I like the frame. Sandblasting actually causes a lot of warp because it, it releases warp. It releases stress in the material, which causes it to warp. And then you put it back together and you have a giant gap in this bolster lock now. And you're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, now what? Uh, do I have to accept it or what? Do I have to remake it? Like, you can't just massage it back together. It's not pl- it's not putty. There's yeah, no exception. Michael Walker's life must be hell. He's just chasing tolerances all day long. <laughs> yeah, chasing I can imagine. Um... So, I don't know. I think Cliff. I think that that brings us to to current day, pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I want to. Uh, I definitely want to. I want to thank you for for coming on, and uh, and sharing some stories with us. I hope we can we can get you on a uh, get you on again and and yeah, it was, yeah, this was fun and go over some stuff. Um, so we're gonna we're looking forward to seeing you at the the upcoming USN then, which will be in August, yes. September. Yeah, September. Right. Uh, no, August. Fifth? Wait. End of August, beginning of September. September yeah, yeah. 3rd to the 7th. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to be the beginning of September. Oh, it's yeah. September. September 3rd September. to the 7th. Okay, yeah. End of August. Whatever. Labor Day weekend. That's right. Um, yeah, as friends. Yeah. We all survive and make it to, to there. Which we will. That's, 100%. That's awesome. I, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Cliff, you have an Instagram. Where can people, where can people find you on the social medias? Uh, I'm mainly on Instagram. Uh, I'm Cliff Talon on Instagram. I really don't do much with Facebook. Uh, just Instagram being so much of an easier platform. That's most mostly where everybody will find me there. And again, I'm Cliff Talon on there. Nice. Yeah, everybody go go check out Cliff's page. Uh, the feed is intense and varied, and you can see some of the knives we were talking about. Um, it's a it's, it's an impressive rivaled. collection. It really, it really is. Um, so mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, definitely, definitely for check sure. that out. Um, and Cliff, I, I want to thank you for coming on. It's it's been a blast. Oh, thank you. And uh, and we'll have you on again. Yeah, yeah, no, this is fun. Yeah, I like this. Awesome. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off. This is uh, Jeremiah Burbank from PVK Vegas. Thanks again for listening to another awesome episode of Bladeology. We'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Anybody, just anybody. Oh, well, no. Last time you, last time you, I thought we already did. That. Last time you ended one. it like that, and you said we were gonna edit it in, guy. Uh, Can't be switching it up on us week to week. Yeah, I thought you said you'd all right. One. We'll just, I'll just. Oh, edit on it that in. note, Nick Chuprin. Now no, just leave all this <laughs> in here. On that note, Nick Chuprin of NCC Knives signing out. You can find me at nccknives.com or uh, NCC Knives on Instagram. Uh, Hamish Malays. Uh, yeah, the thing with the. <laughs> Instagram. I'll fix that later.